and we are streaming live onto LinkedIn and Facebook. And some of you may be watching this back through our, our YouTube channel or anywhere where we've shared it. So welcome to this conversation today. Uh, we run it as a chat show, um, which makes it really nice and diverse and chatty for you. And um, so sort of imagine you're watching, I don't know, a business loose women, <laughs> have a cup of tea while you're doing it or something. And not that these ladies are loose women, I have to say, but loose business, loose business, loose business. So, um, so we do this every Wednesday at 1.30 and Thomas and I invite one of our experts who have joined BIP 100. BIP stands for business is personal. And they join because we see that they have the deep values and the passion and purpose and the um, incredible home skills around their expertise. And it enables us to share experts out into our quite large network um, and hopefully help you to find great people. And today we're talking to Nicola Adams, who's an ergonomist. And you say to yourself, what's an ergonomist? As I did. And it's not an economist. It's an ergonomist. Ergonomist. And today we are, now the title of today's talk, as you know, is the potential impact of hybrid working on our physical and mental health. Now, Nicola, um, you run a, a phenomenal business and um, we are very proud to be clients of yours. And I want to talk about that a bit more in a moment. In a moment. Can we first start off giving a definition of what an ergonomist is and some of the people <laughs> around it? Yes, there's definitely a misconception about an ergonomist. Everybody kind of knows about ergonomics and sometimes it's a bit uh, misused maybe. So ergonomics really goes into depth as to how we're using things and make things a joy to use. And the way we do that, we sort of we learn across the human focus sciences such as biomechanics, um, um, <laughs> psychology and anthropometrics, which is how our body dimensions are come up. Because everybody, two people of the same height don't necessarily have the same leg length or the same the same height of their back, etc. So we combine all of those sciences to really try and get to the core of, for our from our point of view, sort of trying to understand the cause of, of back issues mainly in people's health and well-being. Um, but it's so broad; it, it goes across sort of um, designs of websites, designs of products more broadly. It's a huge discipline. So most of us ergonomists tend to focus down and become expert in, in one area. <laughs> this is classic home working there's the amazon delivery did you hear that oh no <laughs> be back any second um that is fantastic so hopefully you all understand this uh, for me as the complete sort of um well i suppose the end user of this as a result of understanding this and having a consultation with nicola i have a, quite amazingly reduced all my rsi which is incredible so that repressive strain injury the 10 hours of sitting since we've become home workers more, um, changed my chair and everything. And I do want to come on to this because it is very important for our health. So before we get into the real crux of this, apart from the fact I'm really curious about what's just been delivered, but I'll find out. The Huel bottles. Oh, it's our Huel protein. Oh, there you are. That's protein shakes. Very, very critical for us, for our muscles. Um, please, um, Nicola, will you introduce Juliet and Juliet Rain? Uh, who is also an ergonomist and a physiotherapist. So can you just introduce how you work together? 
Yeah, Juliet and I collate the ergonomic services for our clients. We do a very broad range of services, including workshops and training and one-to-ones and, -one and online tools. And Juliet's complete star, merging her physiotherapy with the ergonomics and, and really helping our clients resolve their, their issues when they're, wherever they're working. That's great. And I, I, I really want to explore. I know Thomas does because he was curious when we had a little warm up before we went live around this relationship with physiotherapy and, and that. So I want to come into that. So anybody that's watching now, what I am hoping is as an individual, you are going to start really thinking about your physical health. And that doesn't mean, you know, how many times you go to the gym or swim or whatever. It is about what you're doing a lot of the time now sitting at desks. And I really want you to listen into this because whether you decide to have a consultation go forward, you're going to learn stuff that's going to be really valuable to you. Um, and if you are, I suppose, in health and safety, or if you're working in HR, or you care about the well-being of your staff, no matter how large, small your company is, I hope this is going to give you a lot of value um, to you. You quoted, Nicola, to us uh, a new survey that's just come out. Can you just tell us about that? Because I think that is a really important headline to start this off. Yeah, it's a great survey called Disparity Begins at Home. And it was really looking at um, this whole issue about working from home. It's done during COVID, um, but further on. So they got some good stats. Um, and actually, it found that only 9% of those who are working from home had actually been offered some sort of ergonomic assessment service from their employees. And this is what we're finding um, across the board, actually. So we're still getting clients come to us for the first time, you know, 18 months into this, um, and seeing people really, really struggling when they've been working from home. Um, you know, uh, Juliet may talk about a little bit later about someone who just had to go to A&E because her back had gone into spasm and, it's so, it's so frustrating because there are so many very simple things that you can do to optimize how you're working, whether it be at home or in the workplace, um, to, to really kind of reduce that impact on the body and the spine. But because when people are working from home, they're kind of, they're working in, the, in the, the sort of working isolation from their employers and they're who are not necessarily aware of these issues that are coming up. So another thing that the disparity begins at home looked at was the the, the um, difference between those who had a good um, environment at home, who maybe had a separate office space, to those who we see, again, all the time, those who are working for their bedroom or their sofa, um, house shares, um, and they, they found actually that those who are working in a house share type environment, I think something like 44 or 50, actually 50, I'm just seeing my start here, 56% of them, were uh, they're more they're fifty six percent more likely to suffer from a musculoskeletal disorder or back issue um, in that sort of environment. So it's wow shocking. Yeah. And but there is the thing wherever you're working, there are still things that can be done, even if you only have very limited space that can improve that situation. So it's just the education part of this all is just really really key. Doesn't need to be expensive. I would, I, I'd it's really like in a little while to get to the to get to give the audience a few of these tips in a little while. I just think I really want to explore. You were really curious, weren't you, about Juliet and the relationship there, weren't you? Yeah, because based on what you've described, Nicola, I imagine people have a, have had a lot of injuries as a result of home working, actual physical injuries. And I've seen many people on various TV shows sitting on their bed using a laptop 
which I can imagine is horrendous on your body. But Juliet, what I wanted to ask you was, what's the relationship between ergonomics or ergonomists and physiotherapists? How does all that fit together? Yes, so a lot of physiotherapists um, give ergonomics advice um, as part of their treatments. So, um, you know, when you become a physiotherapist, you, um, you you have to keep up to date with lots of science and research and general guidelines. So things like the HSE guidelines, we have to be quite up to date with what's happening and the advice that's given. So it's sort of standard advice, standard guidelines that exist that anybody can access. And so a lot of physiotherapists will give their clients advice like, you know, make sure your, your, height, your seat's at the right height or, you know, have you got a chair with, a, with a, a backrest that supports you properly? Or, you know, they might go to the point where they're saying, oh, I think you need to be using a sit-stand desk or you need to be using a chair with a neck rest, for example, if someone's got, um, got, got a neck problem. The, the problem is that a lot of physiotherapists don't necessarily have the full training in ergonomics as a discipline on its own. So as Nicola described earlier, ergonomics is such a huge thing. We look at so many different aspects and the beginning of our assessment really starts with getting to know the person and what it is they're actually doing. So, you know, the, the advice is not the same for 10 different people doing similar things. It really has to be very specialized for the person, and especially if they're having problems. We have to get down to the nitty gritty, understand what they're doing, how they're working and why they're working like that. And then we can help them change because it's not just about having the right chair, the right bit of equipment, the right mouse. A lot of it is about behavior. And that's where sometimes there's, there's a sort of a, a lack from certain health professionals or from a health and safety advisor, for example, if they haven't got that deep knowledge of ergonomics, maybe their, their advice is based on equipment. So it's just kind of, okay, you've got a net problem, let's get you this, you know, this solution. So that's yeah. kind of it. Yeah, I like that. So rather, it's, you know, I think, I thought when I first heard about it, it's just sort of biomechanical only, you know, that... But it was very interesting. Um, so let me give you a little quick snapshot. Anybody that's listening here, what my experience. So I bought a chair off Amazon. You know, I thought I was very good. I didn't sit on a kitchen chair like Thomas did. He, he put a kitchen chair up in the office. Um, but in my office, I thought, well, I'll buy it. Um, but I didn't realize how badly I was sitting. Um, you know, many, many things, which Nicola, when she did a Zoom consultation with me, explained that to me you know, encourage me to buy a new type of mouse and, uh, you know... Supporting your elbows on the rack thing. Yeah, absolutely. So so I thought of that as all biomechanical, but what you've introduced, Nicola, also is the psychology of it. This is where you're really interested in the well-being and how well-being and ergonometry comes together. Is ergonometry the right word? Could be, but not. (laughs) I like it, though. (laughs) You can say ergonometry. (laughs) I'll just pick that up. (laughs) I like it. Geometry. (laughs) I might might hashtag that one. Um, So, yeah, there's this link between our behaviour, I suppose, and that. Tell me a bit more about that, why you you see that as so critical in this. We're we're really trying to educate people to look after themselves. We don't want them to be picking up the phone to us after we've done an assessment saying, well, I've moved, and so now what do I do? And now I'm causing, I'm getting pain. So you really want to, 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 as, as Julia was saying, go in deep. But as you go in deep, you're providing them with this education as to what has got them there in the first place. 
And so they, for the long term, it was just one consultation should hopefully give them the tools for long-term behavioral change. And a lot of people have sort of misconceptions or if they feel it's not important, um, there's a phrase that motion is lotion, you know, movement is good and we need to keep moving. But um, a lot of these people that we see are working such long hours and they forget to move. So they get so in, in, in sort of wrapped up with the work that they're doing and feel unable to even take a minute or two's break, which is crazy, um, that they're just sitting there in a static posture. And if that posture is awkward, you're just going to be starving the, the muscles and the tissues of oxygen and nutrients. And so the body then creates a pain response to tell us to move. So if we keep ignoring that, we're just going to build up more issues and then it becomes more of a long-term problem. And then you develop things like RSI or frozen shoulder which can be six to 12 weeks to, to, um, to recover from or more. So you really want to avoid that. And there, as, as I say, there's just little simple things that we can do that if we're educating you, bringing you in on the journey and educating you as we go along, you know, you can then take that to wherever you're working, particularly with this new agile way of working. So you can remember what suits you and set it up in the home or when you're downstairs, maybe to take a standing break downstairs or if you're in the office, it, it goes with you. Yeah. It's important. Motion is lotion. Lotion. Yeah. Yeah. It's and important to add. It's important right. to add that this process that Nicholas just talked about can happen even with perfect posture. So it's not the posture itself that is the danger. It's that lack of movement. That's what really is is a huge risk at the moment, um, and that's why the motion is lotion is super important. Any form of pain that you receive anywhere on your body while you're sitting there, because you're, you're right, people do work obsessively in front of their Zoom and team screens. Any amount of pain, any bit of pain means your body's saying, time to move. It's just a little, it's, a little, it's our body's way of saying, you know, just pay attention. I think you've been sitting here for too long in this way. Just move, just move. You're, 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 it's a sort of, sort of acidic sort of buildup. Um, that it creates that response to tell us to move. And so just listen, just listen into your body. Um, so when you've got somebody set up right, the right, they've got the right posture, they're physically in the right position, they've got the right seat, keyboard, mouse, screen, whatever it might be. Are you then saying to them, make sure you do this, do this for five minutes an hour or two minutes every 30 minutes? What, what, what happens? What, what do people need to do every hour as a discipline? It just to, to move, Juliet has a crazy brain, which we'll tell you about. Shall I, shall I share? You do, um, yes. We can, we can do a little test if you want to. It depends on, I mean, you probably be out of the shot and anybody at home can try this too. So we've got a little thing that we advocate, which is called a 30 second crazy break. Now a little disclaimer, if you've got real problems, you need to be a little less crazy. And if you've got no problems, but we're just going to get rid of pain, we need to be a bit more crazy. OK, now the idea is this is we're trying to refresh the blood around the whole body. OK, because the motion is lotion is not about just getting away from the computer. If you go and walk like this away from the computer like a zombie. Obviously, we're not we're not boosting the circulation and we're not changing anything. So you're not going to get rid of that pain. As soon as you sit down within just a few minutes, it's going to come back. So what we need to do is we need to boost that circulation. So I just want you to have a think for a second. How do you feel? Have you got any aches? Have you got any pains? Is anything feeling tight? Are we feeling a bit tired? Are we feeling okay? Okay. 
If you feel happy to and you don't have to, I will do it to demonstrate. You can join in if you like. We're going to have a 30 second crazy break, which involves getting up onto your feet. And what you're going to do is you are going to have a bit of a dance, a bit of a shout, a bit of a pound. No, you can You're going to try and move everything of your body <laughs> for 30 seconds. Okay, good. So punching and moving and wiggling. See if you can go for another 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, and 1. Oh, I loved all that shimmying. <laughs> I'm just yeah, I'm now. Able to put proper trousers on today, not <laughs> I'm glad I remember to actually put my trousers on. <laughs> No, we were going to do that. The danger of Zoom. Sorry. How do we, do we feel different? Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. 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 So yeah. usually we feel mentally more alert, but everything feels refreshed. Everything feels loose. As I say, if you've got problems, you have to be a little bit more gentle. But as you get better, you can do this even more vigorously. And there's nobody that doesn't have time to do this. When we're opening up a file, we're waiting for our Zoom call to start, we're doing the things during the day. We can just do that. I love that. <laughs> that. Presumably, Julia, you recommend doing that once an hour or something. Is there any? So if you've got pain, pain is the warner, warning sign. So you do it before the pain comes on. So if you know that you sit for 20 minutes and you're starting to fidget, you need to be doing it at 18 or 19 minutes. If you can sit for an hour and your body tolerates that because you've got the resilience, then you do it within the hour. Okay, there isn't there isn't a magic formula for everybody. Yeah, great. Well, Thomas and I have our offices side by side, so we can meet in the corridor. <laughs> Put some music on. Put some music like on. Actually, quite good. Sometimes I come in and go, "Come on, you powers! Come on, you powers!" Does <laughs> a little dance. Celebrate a win. Does when we get a new Fit One Hundred member, he does do a little dance. Well, there you go. You were already doing it. Very cute. <laughs> but that's not every hour. That's not. That is not every hour. Um, so, so let's let's walk through this process a bit because I think so far we've been sort of trying to empower the individuals here, and we can be empowered, can't we, as individuals to take a bit more ownership. I always think that when I hear people talk about the big bad companies, I always think is it always the big bad company, or are we actually just delegating all of our physical and mental health to? The organization so it, here you've shared there's some personal responsibility for this and i like that i think that's great but do you know you shared at the beginning nicola on this um disparity disparity begins at home that only nine percent of companies are giving workplace assessments which is actually do you know what i'm not terribly surprised by that i suppose people have been caught really short on this and they've been doing loads of firefighting and loads of cleaning up lots of SH1T in their organisations, I imagine, whilst they're trying to come to terms with what's happening. But definitely now. But, but, but companies are obsessed with performance, aren't they? Yeah. Companies are obsessed with results and outcomes and numbers and charts and share prices. If doing this improves performance, why isn't it? top of the agenda yeah it's well, people are your number one assets right or yeah, any company yeah. it's not the it's not the building it's the people and what the biggest lesson i think we've learned over covid is that people aren't a separate entity from the business you know they you their well-being is key in the product 
than their productivity and, and, and giving what, what they can to the business um, and being um, innovative and you know, inspired yeah, yeah. to do that. Um, so if you, it's really peanuts. Yeah, and I, I have to say, I interviewed somebody last year actually on, I can't remember what it was for, but oh no, it was a company I did a speech for and I was talking to the HR department who was, had hired me. And um, they said that they, uh, they were an American company, but they allow their staff half an hour a day where their green light on Slack isn't on. Okay. You know, and I suppose those- Was that are, unmonitored? That means there's half, only half an hour a day where you're not supposed to be available instantly with your green light on Slack to, for communication. Yeah, um, a lot of what we've been talking about is actually, you know, all these Zoom calls as well. And, and people were doing back-to-back -back meetings all day long, which yeah. of course would never have in the workplace. So it was just educating people that, in fact, you do still need to build in a break, even though you don't then need to go to, from one place to another, but build in that break that you'd have otherwise, you know, into, into those Zoom calls. So we started talking to everybody that we were talking to one set of a, of a company or the employees for one company, try and build in, you know, maximize those Zoom calls to 50 minutes, maximum 55, so you get a mental and a physical break. And you do, can do things like the crazy break and move yeah, around yeah, like that. and get things running around. Well, and, and also just absorb what you just learned from one call before you get to the other. So, so that was great seeing people adopt that, wasn't it? The more we spoke to, the more people are adopting that behavior, which was fantastic. And, and, and I noticed Calendly, the app that allows you to schedule, you know, people go into your calendar yourself. They have a little thing where you can toggle it on or off whether you want 15 minutes in between an appointment. Oh, yes, I saw that. Yeah, but you don't do it. I literally, I hear Thomas and he says, oh, sorry, I've got to go. Somebody else is coming in. <laughs> I hear that six times a day. Which... I take a little break. Yeah, that in. No, I'm expecting some serious dance moves. I really am. <laughs> I know it's nice all these ideas but people when they make appointments they like round numbers they like o'clocks quarter past half past they don't want 11 10 so that's thomas's 12, belief do you agree 12, yeah no people do but then so psychology minutes yeah it's like when you set your alarm to get up in the morning, you don't set it five past or 25 past. You set it by the quarter hour, usually, the vast majority of people. And what is time? After all? <laughs> we could get into the philosophy of what is time. Anyway, so coming back to the company, the big bad wolves that people think, and certainly, you know, that survey, 9% giving their workplace assessments. Um, can you walk us through, Nicola, let's assuming that we've got some absolutely beautiful head of health and safety or head of um, HR. Uh, HR or L&D or even a CEO of a company watching this. What, what, was, what's, what should they do? What's this process? What's it about? How would they interact with you and work with you? I, I love how you, you, know, you talk about them because a lot of our champions are within the, within the company. So we meet some amazing people who are really promoting this and they have to work so hard. The bigger the company, the harder they have to work because there are lots of interested parties. So often on these calls, when we're trying to propose economic programs, there'll be maybe five or six different people in different sections um, of the business. So um, you, you do kind of need a champion. Yeah. <laughs> My bell went earlier, but I ignored it. <laughs> So sorry, <laughs> not me. Um, so yeah, you can have these fantastic champions. So um, 
it's it's really very bespoke depending on what size the company is so for a big company who have lots of employees we might suggest things like an online tool to provide the education and training through a sort of automated educational program um, but then that picks up um, it's very interactive, the tool we use. And then that picks up people who are at high risk. So people, it gives the opportunity for people to raise their hand, which they may not have done before, and say, yes, I've got a problem. And actually, interestingly, we didn't, uh, on, one, on our tool, we also not only pick up back pain, but also stress. And, and it's been interesting with some companies, we say, do you want us to tell your line manager that you're experiencing stress issues? Some say no across the board. Others thankfully say yes. But it's just, it becomes a real window into what's going on. And so then we build out that relationship with the company. We, we propose the one-to-ones or maybe some workshops um, for more general education. Or hopefully now we're going back into the office as well, we'll kind of do walkthroughs and just check on everybody when they're in the office or um, sort of drop-in centers in the office again. So it's really nice as we start to go back to the office to blend what we used to do together with the remote and, and provide something that crosses the, 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 all of this agile working issue. And also we're talking to companies about, it's all about, everybody's learning about this new sort of hybrid way of working and companies are learning how to design the workplace to best optimize that. And there's lots of changes that have gone on, gone on. And they are also realizing they're going to have to make the workplace more attractive to encourage people to come back in. Because yeah. so many of these surveys are saying like up to 97 people just want to continue working from home. So they need to change that workplace and, and make it more of um, to learn all of the good from home working, leave the bad behind <laughs> um, and, and, and take it into the office, but without learning what they've, they know already about how an office should be designed. Um, so Obviously, my passion would be actually for people to have little zones, you know, break out sort of our quiet zones, a place where they can go and reflect, where they can be, do maybe a bit more of a focused task like they would do at home, or even a bit of a rest. Maybe they've got a young baby, maybe they're recovering from an illness, maybe uh, the menopause, all these sorts of things would be wonderful to have restrooms, which I don't see much of, not the bathroom, but a restroom yeah. uh, that I don't see much of in the workplace. So it's really learning the lessons from, from both environments and trying to optimize and create. It's really exciting, I think. It's a real chance to really optimize the workplace um, going forward. Yeah, very, very exciting time, actually. Um, what were you going to say? Well, you know, I've always struggled being in offices. <laughs> yeah, psychologically. Um, because I've always found them too noisy. But I like being noisy when I'm networking or at a conference or an event. So I've always struggled with open plan offices. When you, when you work out a plan with a, with a large organisation, do you, and you want to take the benefits of the home working, do you, do you encourage them to have the, a replica system of what you recommend at home, at work, which is a good seat, a good ergonomic setup, lots of physical breaks, and a private room, which is what you have at home. God, the whole open plan office which now, Which destroys it? the open plan, because I never liked open plan, because it's too noisy for me. Yeah, yeah. But you're very noise sensitive. I don't like the sounds. I can't snore, I'm not allowed to snore. <laughs> very noise sensitive, you are, you are. But yeah, it's a very good I'm point. Sensitive. If they've got to find that whole 
it's a whole new world, isn't it, that we're now entering into. Um, they only ditched so, the open the offices in the seventies. We used to have offices, little individual cells, and then it went open plan. And open plan was cool. And open plan, forty years later, turns out to be rubbish. Oh, great for yeah. those Zoom calls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that was interesting. Ross just recently got a fabulous new job with a, 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 a blockchain startup, and he immediately got a budget, of course, for the laptop, but also for a share. And I thought that's really interesting. It wasn't a huge, you know, it's not huge amounts of money, but it's, is that something that we're going to see more of where people are given that budget, do you think? Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've been, uh, Juliet and I have been working on, um, we work a lot on creating a, a sort of a, a list of the ideal ergonomic equipment that employers need to, employers need to provide their employees. Um, at the start of this, employers were giving people about 150 was about standard, wasn't it? Um, which actually isn't really enough. And the problem with that was actually then they weren't given education on how to spend it properly. Yeah. Um, so that's where they become back full of Well, it's not just the seat, is it? I mean, it's not working off. It's how many people are working off laptops and crowded over a little screen? Yeah. So then people might have gone out and spent on a screen, which is great but then sitting on a, a wooden dining chair, which is not so great. So it's kind of knowing where to best spend it. Yeah. Um, and different people with different issues um, will need different types of equipment. Yeah. It's also worth remembering that companies, if somebody has a disability or a chronic condition, legally companies need to give them a greater level of support, even if they're a new employee, because they're protected by the Dis Disabilities Act. And um, so, you know, it may be that for somebody who doesn't have any problems, no medical diagnosed problem, then a budget is fine and people can, with some education, will be able to sort themselves out and maybe they put some of their own money in. But when you've got somebody with a real problem, it's yeah. a legal responsibility. If a company is saying you've got to work from home, they legally have to protect them as they would have done in the office. They need to make sure that they get solutions that work for that person. And it might be that £150 doesn't touch the edges for that. Um, so it's important that companies have that as part of their planning. No, very, very interesting that. So, uh, you know, what we're talking about here is the responsibility the company has. We've talked about the responsibility we have as individuals to do our little, what do you call it, the dance? Crazy break. Crazy break. Crazy break. And I like that. Um, obviously, we could all go out and buy our own chairs if, you know, if, we, if we're not being supported by the company, try and do that. Um, so in terms of the company's responsibility, are we starting to see yet, um, are there any statistics coming out? I know surveys take a while for the results to come out, that home working is affecting people's physical health yet because of the way that they're sitting? Have you yeah, there, there have been lots of surveys. I can't think of anything, you know, there, there's just been so many, it would be difficult to... to um, but it, but it's definitely something, it's definitely... And, and also what we see from their online tool is that normally in the workplace, maybe one in four might be struggling, whereas people at home, maybe one in two. And right. we, we do tend to get the people who are struggling complete that tool first. Um, but it definitely, and, and the, it's the severity of issues that we've been seeing as well. Um, I'd seem to be much more when people are at home because they've been ignored or um, just that lack of the right equipment and education. Right. 
So let's do a little bit of a, a consultation then. So imagining somebody's, well, they're watching you, Nicola, here. Um, just give everybody an idea of how they should be sitting and, and what the position of their body should be, because that really made a difference to me when you shared that with me. So the majority of things that we've been seeing um, are the shoulders uh, and wrist, neck, and then leading to, uh, to headaches. So that was the, the, the main things that we were seeing, first of all. And that was because people were using laptops just on the table uh, without anything else. So laptops are our biggest bugbear uh, because, yeah. <laughs> because That's horrendous. Yeah, terrible. So all you need to do is raise it up to eye level height. But then people think, oh, well, yes, I've done really well. I've read, yeah. <laughs> and then reaching up, punching, yeah. <laughs> so all then you need to do and it's really not expensive it's just buy a separate keyboard um and a mouse and then that stops the whole compromise about you know are you lifting your shoulders or is it your neck or, and the mouse so and the mouse this is this one yeah so that's changing it from a sort of a lot of people tend to grasp or they lift and rest their hand on the table and you do that and that, that presses on here. So um, a vertical mouse changes your hand into a handshake position, keeps it nice and straight, or, um, so it's much harder to, to deviate it. Um, and if you are resting, it would be on that bone. Um, but um, so the key is to drop the shoulders down, have the arms resting in line with the desk Mm -hmm. um, have your back supported, um, that lower back curve to put you into a nice S shape. Thank you. <laughs> have a bit of movement even better. Um, and then so the opt optimum is to sit at the right height with your hips above your knees, then your arms in line with the top of the desk, preferably supported, your back supported, so everything can relax and you can feel um, that you're not holding any tension because yeah. If you're stressed, you immediately go to punching up those shoulders. So we really want to proactively encourage people to drop those shoulders down, keep their heads back in a neutral position, not poking forward screen, yeah. um, and then setting up everything in a way that is optimizing that and making it and psychologically encouraging people to do that and uh, without them having to think about it too much. Um, and see. Nicola, what about the, uh, you know, I've got the ergonomic keyboard. Uh, which you use more like that than like that and it opens i find it opens the back what, what's your view on the ergonomic keyboards juliet i'm going to leave that <laughs> yeah so um so it depends on the person and it depends on the dimensions of the person so the a split keyboard um can be very useful for somebody who's a bit broader or who's a bit larger in general um, because if you've got a wider body or a pregnant lady, for example, it's very difficult for you to maintain what we call neutral wrists. Okay, so we want your wrists to be kind of neutral. As soon as we start deviating the wrists to the side, so if you imagine my elbows are out to the side and I'm typing, I can't keep my wrists straight. We're putting a lot of tension into the tendons and the nerves, but also the muscles and the arms and the forearms. That can lead to issues anywhere from the fingers, the wrists, and all the way up to the neck, and then potentially transferring down into the back as well. So for some people, splitting that keyboard in two just means that they've got a straight angle for their, for their wrists. So we've got this rather than this, and it can just take a lot of pressure out of the shoulders, 
lots of pressure at the elbows and the wrists just by making it more natural. But the caveat with that is those people have to be pretty confident typists. So you have to be able to use both hands. And I don't know whether you had a period of adaptation when you started using yours, but what we don't want is somebody who's not very confident and they're kind of, okay, we've got neutral wrist, but my right hand's coming over to the left side a lot to do a lot of work. Because obviously that's introducing even more movement that we didn't have. So when we advise those, we do tend to check quite carefully, how comfortable is somebody on the computer? Can they manage to, you know, touch type or almost touch type um, or not? Because if they can't, that's not the right solution for them. But there's, there's lots of different types. There's lots that move or are molded um, and they can be really great tools. So it's a very, like these, very compact keyboard. So if people are reaching, yeah. a lot of problems are people reaching out too far and that causing that shoulder and tension because our arms are actually surprisingly heavy. So when they're extended out and neutral, that loads up. Um, so a little compact keyboard keeps the mouse closer so you're not having to reach so far out to it. So that's a, a solution. I like that. I like that. And I, I tell you one thing that I just was never aware of and the chair that I bought, and I want to come onto the chairs, You've, you know, now the arms, I've been able to put them so that my, my the, the arms are taking all my weight. And I never realized how much yeah. I was doing this. I didn't realize. The yeah. other thing is that when you were talking about the height, you suggested that I bought a thing for my feet to go on because I've got little legs. And <laughs> the height that my chair needed to be for my arms to be there, my legs were swinging away. <laughs> and then we find people cross their legs exactly. or they cross on their legs. Or... <laughs> Exactly. So it is really, really fascinating. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, I'm worth the amount that I invested. I know I am. My health um, is worth it. But it wasn't as scary as, yeah. you know, one would think it would be to yeah. set up. And, um, and, and so critical, so critical, because I was definitely starting to get to the point where, you know, I was going to have to have a forced rest. And I was going to be yeah, I was getting my really worried about you when you were bringing it up. I was thinking... I know. But you're so much better since, aren't you? I'm so much better since. Can, honestly, we, can we talk about the cost and the budget? Yeah, well, yeah, what I want to do, yeah, I do want to do that. But at the same time, I don't want to start frightening people off. That's why I wanted to say it's not as scary as you would think to either do an individual assessment or to go through it as a company. But Lev, tell me about your chairs, because unfortunately, this is on the sofa with Thomas. <laughs> our chairs. But they are beautiful, and I, I just absolutely love it. I, it's so. Julia has one. <laughs> and my one's got a headrest as yeah. well. Yeah. Oh, you've, yeah, you've got that. So these are the ones um, that Nicola, you decided that you wanted to design and get these made, didn't you? Yeah, just, uh, just coming across, um, it was so difficult sometimes trying to find the right solution for people. Um, and, you know, often with, with women, particularly, the arms are too far out, or some of them. Yeah, I say as well. Um, the arms are too far out. The, um, the the seat is too big, and so what women tend to do, or slighter but slighter built or smaller built, is they tend to perch forward, and so they they because they can't get contact with the back, they then have to create their own upright posture and end up perching on the front of the chair, um, their arms dangling by their side. Um, and so just wanted to create a chair that adapts so well to different people's um, shapes and sizes from the four foot nine to the six foot seven we see. Um, it's so critical that when you have got a back issue, it becomes very sensitized and it needs the support in very key ways um, from the angle of the backrest to the height of the lumbar to the height of the armrest to the armrest actually being by your side rather than somewhere out here. 
to the seat sizes being correct, either um, fitting that thigh length for the short person or, or indeed for making sure it's for providing full support for the thigh length for the tall person. So um, just then ended up creating our own way of working with a factory to provide a different solution. And the key with ours is that it um, is very slim. And so it sits between the shoulders. So it promotes that upright posture and gives you lots of room to move and makes it very difficult to slouch. And the headrest is multi-adjustable because that often isn't on chairs and ends up pushing your head forward or not being in the right place to remind people where to keep their heads for a poker header, a forwarder. Um, but the key thing is we, we actually, I keep those very separate from the consultancy. So if I'm doing a consultation, I won't, unless people really need a chair, I won't be recommending a chair. I kind of almost do the reverse because I'm just so conscious that I'm finding the right solution for the person. It might even be a different chair to our own because it's more important that we find that right solution for the person. The chair company is separate um, yeah. and that's um, goes through distributors and things. So it was just really trying to find another solution for people um, that were getting served by other chairs. Yeah, very, good. Very, very, very good. Very good. So gosh, we've only got five minutes left. Um, one of the things that I want to talk about is, and it's not to put the fear of God into people, but I think sometimes almost the younger that we are, the more we think our body is in pain, but things catch up on you if you mistreat your body. You know, so somebody might be listening to this in your 30s or 40s. I'm 57, Thompson and I'm 57. Our bodies are going to be a little bit less tolerant, but they carry the legacy of bad stuff. So, you know, I wish we'd got this chair earlier and understood this earlier in our life. Um, so I don't want to put the fear of God into people, but I do also want to motivate people to really think about this um juliet you've had one client you know that it, it got really bad you know they ended up having to go to any &E. do you want to share share some of that story yeah i mean it, this is not the first time unfortunately that i've i've had a client in this in this position and you know she joined me the other morning in her pajamas because she'd got back from a &E. she was absolutely exhausted and she'd just been in so much pain she'd actually rung her emergency gp during the night and they said get yourself to a &E because you need to be checked out and a and &E just said to her, look, um, this is all down to muscular spasm and, you know, you're in a real state and, you know, how are you working? And luckily she happened to have an assessment already booked with me the next day, but her main problem was equipment, but also a complete lack of education. Personally, she, she was one of these people, as we described earlier, laptop raised and then leaning forward and doing this, sitting on a terrible chair, um, and, you know, she thought she was trying her best to get herself in a, in a good situation, but she just hadn't quite got there because she hadn't been educated at all, which is, you know, we don't get educated how to set yourselves up, but it's very easy for us to put that in place. Um, and, you know, she was also under an awful lot of pressure and working up to 20 hours a day because a lot of people are working from home, unfortunately, because they are being productive, they're getting more put on them. We're seeing that an awful lot with people working really long hours that they would never ever do in the office. And that's another massive factor. The, uh, if you want something done, yeah. ask a busy person. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the, um, what's it called? Somebody told me they're called the underconfident overachiever. 
they said that they joined a company on a graduate scheme and they looked for underconfident overachievers because they knew they could just burn, burn and burn those people. That's awful. <laughs> that awful. So they were profiling them with a view to burning yeah. them out in two years. So I, I've this has only got two minutes left now, and I appreciate everybody that's joined us. Um, please look up uh, Nicola and um, Juliet on LinkedIn and connect with them. Um, one thing I will say, I know Nicola is my client and as I'm a client of hers well, there's no, um, there's so much passion about this that there's no forced sort of pitching of a sale. Um, but please connect because this is really important. I think mental health has had its big, you know, we're all important, we all realise how important it is and physical health, we all know how to, you know, keep ourselves fit and eat well. But let's think about the biomechanics of our bodies as well and whether we're treating ourselves and doing our little breaks as well our little our little 30 second crazy breaks. crazy breaks i really love that thank you so much um and so please do connect with them and thank you both hugely for such a fun and brilliant show with us today now next week um please tune in we've got our bip member uh, Mike Planner and Mike is going to actually talk about something that's very close to this man's heart uh, who is a networker uh, and Mike's talking about the importance of curating really strong networks around you and that's going to be something that Thomas is going to absolutely love I think he'll probably dominate the show with Mike on that subject and and it's really important because so many of us have networked so many of us you know pick up followers and connect with people and I know I've got 5,000 people on Facebook and I've hit the 30,000 limit on LinkedIn and we curated the right people energetically around us and that's what we're going to be talking about next week so thank you again ladies that was an absolute mm -hmm. fantastic show, show nicola and juliet and and yep we're going to be we might have you might have actually helped our marriage here we might have <laughs> every hour thank you so much thank you yeah.